Hey there, and welcome to the Unlikely Artist Podcast, where I'll teach you how to gain the freedom you need to become who you want, instead of who you've been telling yourself you need to be. I'm Heather Kerr. I went from international tax to art and coaching because those are the things I've been yearning to do. Listen in to find out how you can start doing what you love to in slow, easy steps each week. Let's dive in now. Hello, Savvy Souls. I want you to imagine a world where you always had to say yes to other people. When they thought an idea was good for you, you had to say yes. When they gave you advice, you had to say yes. When they thought what you were doing wrong, you had to change it. You had to agree with them and always do what they thought you should do. And I think when you imagine a world like that, it's pretty easy to imagine that it's not going to be your ideal life, that you're going to be off track, that you're not going to be making the best choices for you. And even though none of us really live quite like that, I think we all live a little bit like that. We're all subject to being influenced by advice that's not good for us. I think probably all of us have said yes one time or another to somebody's suggestion or advice about how we do something or conviction that we ought to do something one way. And we've done that. And later on, we're able to look back and see that that wasn't the right choice for us. So today I want to have a discussion with you about advice and specifically when to listen to it and when not to listen and how to develop that capacity for discernment, which just means the ability to judge well. So you can identify when the advice you receive is useful and when it's not useful. So before Savvy Souls, that we talk about how to tell whether a piece of advice is useful for you, I want us all to sit back and to talk about why it is that people give us bad advice, advice that doesn't work for us. And to do that, I think we just need to consider what's going on in their heads. So I'm going to talk about a few pieces of bad advice I got, just in the sense it was, if I'd made different choices, it probably would have been better for me. And yes, I learned from every situation I've been in, but just in retrospect, things I would say is bad advice. In each case, I didn't know it was bad at the time, but when I look back at it, it clearly wasn't right for me when I followed it. So the first example was my dad was very, had very strong opinions. And I really looked up to him. He was very smart. And he was instrumental in some of my earlier choices. And one of the biggest ones was when I wanted to go to university, I really wanted to study psychology. Um, But he didn't want me to do that. He wanted me to take commerce. And the question is, why did he advise me to do that. Well, he advised me to do that because first of all, he had some views about psychology not being useful based on what he knew about it, which wasn't a lot. And some opinions he'd formed that were based on incomplete information. And, but much more than that, 
his advice came from a point of view of the things that he was worried about because of his own life experiences. He'd been a young person during the Dust Bowl. Dust Bowl, I think, was in the 30s in the prairies in Canada where his dad was a farmer and basically nothing would grow for several years. Crops basically all dried up, the land dried up, there were tumbleweeds everywhere. And so they had some pretty hard times financially. So my dad was very focused on safety and security and always being protected financially. And that's what he was very worried about for me and the priority for him and why he was very firm in his opinion that I should do commerce and not psychology. And he didn't factor in how times have changed. He didn't factor in what you could do in psychology because he didn't know about it. He didn't factor in what I liked, how I would experience commerce, how I would show up in a career built on business. He didn't factor in what I'd be missing if I didn't do psychology. He just didn't factor really in anything about me. He came from his own experiences and his advice came from the place of what he thought was best. So another example is when I left the government to go into law, I first became an economist after I did economics, did a master's in that, and I worked for the government in the Department of Finance. And I eventually left after four years, even though I had a good job in the best department and it was interesting in its own way, but it wasn't right for me. In particular, economics wasn't right for me, even though it was something I'd been good at. It was something I never believed in, didn't enjoy. I didn't believe in the assumptions. And it increasingly felt like my life in that area was wasted. So I explored options and ultimately left the government to go into law. And there were some people around me who were very supportive, but there were a number of my fellow bureaucrats who really objected to that decision and told me I was making a huge mistake. It was a huge mistake to walk away from a great government job with a good pension and interesting work and expose myself to the risk and struggle of starting something new, having to start from scratch, study all over again. So when I think about why all of these people objective one of the main things they thought about was I think there was a part of them that felt challenged by my decision because they wondered if they'd made the right decision. So I think part of their advice was just wanting to feel good about the decisions that they'd made. And it definitely came from their experiences. None of them were lawyers out in private practice out in the world. They were all in good government jobs like me. That was the world they'd experienced and seen. And that's where their advice came from. Then again, when I left my senior job as a lawyer a few decades later to become an artist, people were aghast at that. They were very troubled by that decision. People were very concerned about that decision. I had a lot of well-meaning advice from colleagues and other people around me, clients even, and they told me I shouldn't do it. It seemed crazy. I'd never even really done art. But when I think about it, where were they coming from? They'd organized their lives to have these high-paying jobs. 
partly because the money mattered to them. And then they got roped into expensive lifestyles that they couldn't leave. And I think when I left, it was threatening to them to see other possibilities, to see somebody leaving a job like we had. It was threatening to them. It made them wonder about their own decisions. So they advised me to stay because that made me like them. It didn't challenge their decisions. And also, once again, it came from their experiences. They weren't exposed to the world of being an artist. They didn't know what possibilities that created. They didn't know what kind of experiences I would have. They only knew what I was leaving. Again, this is my final example. We're not going to go through every decision I've made in my life. But when I started painting, I had a lot of advice from other artists, uh, conflicting advice, everything from don't use texture to you need a consistent theme to all kinds of things about what I needed to do, including you shouldn't really paint until you've gone back and studied fine arts at school. And in every single case, I could look at the advice giver and I could see the advice in context. It came from what had worked for them, a lot of that advice. Like much of the advice I received was very well-meaning, but came from their experience, which is the only thing any of us can offer. So Savvy Souls, I hope you're starting to see a pattern here. When people advise us, they're coming from views formed by their life experience, their mistakes, their regrets, their own particular risk tolerance, their likes and dislikes, how they've learned to navigate life, their priorities, and what they can live with and what they can't live without. Sometimes their advice can be really good, but notice how it comes from their reality. It can have nothing to do with us, with our life experience, our risk tolerance, our desires, our skills, what we've learned, what's important to us, what we enjoy, what we're willing to live with, and what we're willing to live without, and what feels meaningful to us. Other people can't know these things about us. They can't know what's best for us. They might not even know what's best for them. There's a lot of people without a lot of self-awareness who've not really made decisions, but just acted and then felt contained by the choices they've made. Other people also can't tell us what we'd be missing if we follow their advice. They can tell us what's worked for them, but not what would have happened if they'd made different choices. They can only give us the narrow view based on what they've done. There are two big flaws that always surface in other people's advice to us. Even if they're at the top of their field, even if they're experts, even if they're gurus, even if they're wildly successful in their field, even if they're celebrities who've done the most amazing things, none of them can ever know what's best for us. And none of them can ever know what we'd be missing if we followed their advice. So my dad couldn't factor what I'd be missing by not choosing psychology 
what I'd be missing by making the safer business school choice. My colleagues couldn't factor in what I'd be missing if I stayed in government or if I kept practicing law instead of doing art. My fellow artists couldn't tell me what I'd be missing if I followed their rules instead of exploring art my way. Really, the only thing other people can do is form advice based on what they've done or what they've seen other people do. No one can tell us about something that they haven't done or seen. I see this a lot in the entrepreneurial world. People who sell us their formulas for success, often based, what I've discovered, is on the one or two things that they know how to do. Sometimes this can be a helpful start, but it can quickly become very limiting. They can't advise us on all the imaginative new ways we can come up with to do the business that we want to create. People basically develop prescriptions because it's the only way they know how to do something. So I can hear you saying, but Heather, I've received tons of useful advice. And yes, we definitely can get good advice that catapults us into something new or pushes us to the next level or in a new direction that we want to go. We can get advice that solves problems, opens doors, lights up our creativity, encourages us to take action, makes things doable for us, helps us implement a dream. I'm listening right now to one of the best audible books I've ever listened to. It's one of the best books I've ever read, if you can call listening to an audible book reading. It's called The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin, and it was published just this January and only on Audible, I think. Rick Rubin, if you don't know him, is an American record producer who helped popularize hip-hop and has worked with musical artists from a really wide variety of musical genres, artists like Run DMC and Metallica and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Aerosmith and Johnny Cash. I have to say this book, The Creative Act, is such a gem. It's full of ideas about creative flow and about life more generally. And it's hard for me to imagine anyone who wouldn't benefit tremendously from reading it. So I'm not paid to do a little pitch for his book, but I definitely recommend it. So one thing Rick talks about in his book is rules. So he talks about rules as a way of structuring our awareness. A rule can open our horizons or it can contain and constrain us. So he gives this great example. It's about the director Lars von Trier and Thomas Vinterberg, who came up with a set of 10 rules that they called the vow of chastity. And those rules related to filmmaking. It was intended to give uh directors and producers more control over their films and get them out of prescriptive studio approaches. But this vow of chastity contained 10 rules that about how the shooting must be done, such as shooting must be done on location, 
or there's no optical work or filters allowed. So very containing restrictive rules about how to do filmmaking. And these rules were a bit of a movement. And when Thomas Vinterberg followed these rules, he made several award-winning films. And even though the rules were restrictive, because they were restrictive, they prohibited traditional approaches and solutions. And the limitations within these rules forced participating filmmakers to think in new ways, to create novel solutions, and to take their filmmaking in new directions. So those rules actually opened possibilities and opened up imagination. So Rick says in the book, there are no bad rules or good rules, only rules that fit the situation and serve the art or those that don't. If the goal is to create the most beautiful art possible, then whatever directives are in service of that end are the right ones to use. And so that's how he recommends an artist decides whether to follow a set of rules or not. Does it serve the art? Does it help me create more beautiful art more easily? If not, don't follow them. If it does, then do it. So why am I talking about this? Because advice really is just a prescription about how to do something. It's a rule or a set of rules that the advice giver believes is helpful to a situation. So we're like artists, savvy souls. And our goal is to create the best life, the most beautiful life possible. So kind of paraphrasing what Rick said in this interpretation more broadly, there is no bad advice or good advice, only advice that fits the situation and serves our effort to create our best life and advice that doesn't do that. Advice is just rules that have worked for other people in their particular context with their particular mindset, their particular expertise, their particular skills, their particular strengths and preferences. The question for you is, is it the right advice for you? So how do you tell? How do you know if this thing that you're hearing is advice that would be helpful for you to follow? Or whether it's really a situation, oh, hey, thanks very much. And then you keep doing it your way. So you can approach this question in two ways. I'd recommend both to allow you to get as much information as possible. The first is analytical. So ask yourself some basic questions. One question would be, will this advice help me structure my awareness in a way that will help me experience life in a rich, fully explored and meaningful way? Or is it going to structure my awareness, have me thinking in a way that all I can see is constraints, hurdles and obstacles? In other words, is this advice expanding possibilities for me and triggering my imagination, firming my commitment and my resolve, or is it closing down possibilities, discouraging me, making me feel that I can't do it? 
Another question to ask yourself in this analysis is, what does this person not know about me that's relevant to this choice I'm facing? What relevant information do they not have? Another question to ask is, what options does this advice not factor in? Another question, what experiences would I miss if I follow this advice? How important would these missed experiences be to me if I never, ever get to experience them? Another question, is this advice limiting the way I think about things? Is it making me cut out useful parts of my own process? Another question, is this advice helping me identify opportunities and practices that work for me? Or is the advice better for someone who thinks, feels, and acts differently than me in such fundamental ways that I could expect the advice won't work for me and the way I think and feel and act? Another question, am I similar to or different than the people this advice help previously, if I know about them. In other words, the fact that this advice has helped a lot of other people in their careers or in their entrepreneurial decisions or in their choices about other areas of their life. If those other people are very dissimilar to you, has have different values than you, are just different from you in fundamental ways, the advice very well might not be appropriate for you. Okay, so ask yourself a bunch of questions that take you a bit deeper. And notice all of those questions don't assume that the advice giver is right. You're trying to figure out whether the advice, which will be right for some people and not others, whether it's right for you. So the second approach I'd recommend you all use to supplement these questions that you've just asked yourself is notice how your body reacts to the advice. Even if you don't prefer the advice, you don't like it, is there a knowing in your body that it's right or there's something in it that's right for you, something in it that would be good for you to pay attention to, something you might not know about, something for you to discover? Do you feel a lightning or expansion in your body, I'm talking about physical feeling. When you think about the advice, do you feel a lightening or expansion in your body, in your chest, or a release of tension, or just a general sense of relief flooding through you when you think about implementing the advice? So by this, I mean to notice the physical sensations in your body, do a body scan, and notice areas of tightness or contraction or tension or expansion. So notice, is it an opening, a kind of a getting out of prison feeling? In other words, is your body saying, yes, this would be useful advice for me to consider? Or when you heard the advice, do you feel a tightening, a pain, a heaviness, a constriction, a sadness, a regret, a tension, a going to prison kind of feeling, kind of a letdown? Is your body saying no? 
So like in my episode last week, I really want you to start listening to your body and noticing the wisdom that's contained in there. It will take you in the right direction. So savvy souls, I want to leave you with these thoughts. A lot of advice is more about the advice giver than about us. This is generally true. In fact, this is necessarily true. It's even true of my advice to you today and on this podcast generally. Everything I tell you, every piece of advice I give you comes from my experience, the way I think about stuff, the way I feel about things, the way I've experienced life, the lessons I've learned. It might not be right for you. Always listen here. Take what works for you. Take the kernels of things, kernels of ideas that pass these tests I've just mentioned and feel good to you and leave all the rest, right? I can't know what's best for you. There's advice that helps us live richer lives and advice if we follow it that will contain and constrain us. Remember that. You never have to follow a piece of advice. Also, the top experts in the field can still give us bad advice, advice that isn't right for us. So ask this series of questions I suggest, contemplate the answers, feel the reaction of your body to the advice you receive. And with all of that information, make the best decision for you now. And the other thing I want you to remember is that you're never deciding your life. You're just deciding the next step. Don't make your decision-making monumental because that's going to make it really difficult. If you think you're deciding the rest of your life, that's paralyzing. That will keep you stuck. Always know that you can change any decision. You can learn from whatever you do and make the best next decision after that. So what I'd like you to do is just keep practicing making good decisions for you. Take what's useful in this episode, in this podcast generally, and use it and leave the rest aside. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. See you soon. Bye. So if you're energized by the possibilities you're hearing about on this podcast, but you're wondering how it's possible to actually make what you've been fantasizing about doing actually happen, I'd love you to join me for a free strategy session where we'll talk about coaching together. We'll explore how you can start making what you want possible by taking small, easy steps that add up to something amazing. Just click on the link in the show notes below this episode to book your free call. I'd love to meet you live. And all my listeners, remember, it's finally your time to do what you want.